Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Thing that's been listed here are things you can do in the power of the flesh. And if somebody saw it, they say, man, what a loving guy. What a loving gal. But if we don't have charity, that special love of the brethren, specifically at least here, we're nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. I don't understand why Christians, there's some Christians, they're just mean people. Why are you mean? Not you, but just in, in general, why are Christians mean? Shouldn't be. It's kind. We, can we be kind people? Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. And is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. But rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies. They shall fail. Whether there be tongues. They shall cease. Whether there be knowledge. It shall vanish away. Where does that leave us? I think the chapter speaks for itself. That's one of the fruits of the spirit is the love. First John chapter four. Look at this verse seven. First John four, seven. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And that this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to, the, to be the propitiation for our Sins. That's the atoning sacrifice that was offered to God that appeased the wrath of God. And in doing so, that allows us, the sinner, to be reconciled to God. Because we were his enemy. Now, I've told this story before. I'll tell it again. I think it's a powerful story. It's in Martyr's Mirror. And back in the 1540-something, uh, this Anabaptist was captured because they rebaptized. They they didn't believe in sprinkling. They didn't believe that salvation was how the Roman Catholic outfit put it. So they were called the rebaptizers, the Anabaptists. Well, they would capture them and they would sentence them, sentence them to death. Dirk Willems was captured, was put in prison. One day he was able to escape. And he escaped. The guard saw him running, so the guard went after him, and he goes across this lake that had, was frozen, and he makes it across this lake. The guard that was chasing him to recapture him and put him back in prison falls into the lake. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have kept going because I love me and my life more. Dirk looks back. 
runs back across the ice, extended, extends his hand, rescues that guard, and pulls him out. He's going to heaven because he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. The guard is a heathen who's on his way to hell. He didn't want him to die without knowing Jesus Christ as a Savior. He goes back and in an act of selfless love saves that man. He gets put back in prison. The guard that he saved put in for Dirk to be released because of his act of, of kindness. And they shut him down and they ended up sentencing him. And he was the one that I, one of the ones I think that were burned at the stake. How many of you would have done that? Not me. Not me. But that is one of the most powerful stories of love that I can tell, at least down here on earth. That's a picture of what Jesus Christ did for us. That's someone that's really embracing loving their enemy. <laughs> I know the verse, but I don't know if I could live it out. As fervently as some. That hand reaching out. We have a lost and dying world. Are we going to go home and enjoy lunch and then just go about our work week without turning back and reaching our hand out to someone that's lost and saving them from falling into the depths of hell? That's what we're commanded to do to bring the church out of these four walls and into our community. The world hates it. The world's our enemy. But we turn back and we extend our hand. Why? Because we have the fruit of the spirit. And that is love. God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, we need to go after sinners because we love. Because we have the fruit of the spirit of love. Right. We love like God loves. Right? We should. All right. Next one is joy. Next one is joy. James 1, 2 says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Uh, that's another one that I have a hard time with. But where does the joy come from? It doesn't come from the temptation. It comes from God. And because it comes from God, we have that fruit of the spirit. We can deal with these things. Third John, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in Truth. Parents love that verse. I'm a parent. I love that verse. Where does the joy come from? Well, it doesn't come from me. I'm grumpy sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't come from you. You get out of sorts sometimes. It comes from truth. That's where the joy comes from. I have no greater joy that my children walk in truth. That's what parents want. That's what God wants for all of us as his children. But these divers temptations, we talked about that word divers before. These are various trials, various things that happen. Sickness, you're going to go through it in your lifetime. Temptations, you're going to go through it in your lifetime. A time of poverty, you're going to go through it in your lifetime. A time of persecution, you're going to go through it in your lifetime. Moving. One of the family, and we got another family is going to be moving. And, uh, I can relate because we did it and it's living out of cardboard boxes and storage. And it's how are we going to get joy from our stuff in storage? No, 
It only comes from God. We got to get it from God or we're not going to get it. If we tap into the fruits of the spirit, it will help us because it comes from God. We love because God first loved us. We love our enemies because we were God's enemy and he loved us to die for us. That's why we tell people about the Lord. Where does our joy come from? Jesus suffered. Jesus died on the cross for us. Where does our joy come from? God. God. And we can praise the Lord, you know, all Christ went through. We get into a little season of temptation. We get into a little season where we got some discomfort. All of a sudden, we lose our joy. I would expect that from the world, wouldn't you? Not from Christians. We shouldn't expect that from each other. We should be able to say, you know what? This temptation that I'm going through, this trial, this this point of discomfort, it should be a way for us to draw closer to Christ. And realize what he did for us and what we're going through is really nothing. It's really nothing. When your faith is tried, it reveals who you are. And this happens in all sorts of situations. What we would do is, you know, somebody said they would want to train and they want to get in shape. They want to learn how to defend themselves. And then we put them on the mat. And when we put them on the mat, it reveals where they're at. If they're too kind of high on their high horse or a little too cocky, we have ways of dealing with that. You put somebody on the construction site the first day, it will reveal who they are. They're late 10 minutes. They were given an hour for lunch. They took an hour and a half. They said they knew how to swing a hammer. They hit their thumb 40 times. It will reveal who they are, and it will give you a starting point. Okay, we're going to have to back up a little bit here. Somebody gets a little too high on a horse, the boss tells them, you need to go. you got to go home. Discomfort reveals who we are as a Christian. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, For we have not an high priest which cannot, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet. Without sin. Go over to 1 Thessalonians 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1. I find this verse to be interesting. Verse 6. And ye become followers of us. And of the Lord. Having received the word in much affliction. With joy of the Holy Ghost. How can you have affliction and joy in the same verse? It's the joy of knowing what? That your sins have been forgiven. It's the joy of knowing that you have been reconciled to a holy, righteous God. It's the joy of knowing that you've suffered much affliction. Not because you like affliction, but because you like the truth. And it's the truth that made us free. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody likes affliction. Nobody likes sorrow and suffering. But we should love the Lord. 
and the joy that we get comes from him, not the junk we have to come through. If you meet somebody who says, yeah, this just feels great. I love going through this. That distress is great. I love it. There's something wrong with that person. <laughs> They're a little cuckoo. Nobody likes stress. We used to work out, train, exercise, all of it. Why? Because <laughs> we like our muscles hurting? No, we liked the result of what it gave. We liked having energy. We liked having strength. We liked having uh, not being bogged down with just, mm. we liked the result of it. We didn't necessarily, you know, no pain, no gain was the saying, but look, there's still pain. We didn't like that. We liked the gain. That was the joy. And as Christians, our joy comes from God. Then it says peace. Get Ephesians chapter 2. There's a saying, the world says this, nothing can disturb your peace of mind unless you allow it to. Not really true. It's not really true biblically. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, for he is our peace. Who hath been, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Christ is our peace. And our peace of mind comes from what? Our union with who? Jesus Christ. That's where our peace comes from. We are brought into a right relationship with God. He is our peace. That middle wall has been broken down. We have peace with God. That's why the Bible says in Romans 10, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. Everybody covers their feet up, their footies, because they're dirty. And we put them sandals and sneakers and shoes on our feet. Ephesians 6 says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. If your feet are shod like a horse, if a horse, you got to shod their feet. What does that make their feet? It makes them prepared. Prepared to do what? Preach the gospel of peace. Because when that person trusts Christ as their Savior, they have peace. It's a fruit of the Spirit that comes along with salvation. He is our peace. Peace, man. I used to be in my, in my parents' decade. The whole, you know, peace. The 60s. Marijuana might make you feel good for a little bit, but it don't bring you peace. It brings you misery. And some of these bands, you know, they, they are doing all these drugs and stuff, and they're still touring and still going on. I guess there's a part of it. Sometimes drugs do preserve you, I guess. How are the Rolling Stones still going on all these years? I, I don't know. They don't have peace. They can create something on a stage, but they don't have peace in their heart. Which would make sense as to why if I said to you, hey, why don't we take a trip into Nashville because there's there's a concert going on. Well, we don't go to concerts. No, we're not going in. We're going out because they just people don't have peace. 
and we can give them the gospel of peace. Shod your feet and go. You've got the fruit of the Spirit. You've got peace. Your feet should be shod. We have the gospel of peace. Let's go. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. That's why it's so important. If we don't tap into and allow our minds to be influenced by the fruit of the Spirit, our mind will be influenced by our flesh and will make decisions based on our flesh, not based on how God wants us to make the decision. I can talk you into going out, or I can talk you out to going out, just like you can do the same thing. Well, you know, I really can't go because I got to work. Well, how many hours a week you work? 90. Well, get rid of some hours. Yeah, but I have to eat. Okay, well, what's the problem? When do you get off? Okay, we'll go then. Well, I have to sleep. Okay, so work is a good excuse. Sleep is a good excuse. You can come up with good excuses on why you shouldn't have to witness the lost people. But if Christ is our peace and if we have the peace of God, why wouldn't you want to go out? I didn't say go to Mongolia. I said go 10 minutes from your house or 30 seconds from your house. Go knock on your neighbor's door. I need butter. What do you need butter for? I'm making something and I'm out of butter. By the way, do you know the Lord? <laughs> Don't have to be hard. Well, I have to work all the time. Well, do you have a lunch break? Yes. We'll talk to somebody about Jesus during the lunch. That solves the work one. It solves that. We have peace, yet we don't want to have our feet shod and preach the gospel of peace. It's two things that I can't reconcile. We got to go. We got to go. Bring people the gospel of peace. Long suffering. You need that on boring sermons. <laughs> when the sermon goes too long, you need you need long suffering. You keep a steady pace in negative situations. That's long suffering. You can still remain positive amidst negative. You're even keeled. The keel is the main structure, the main bone of the ship, and it provides you with a smooth sail, a steady sail. You 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 have long suffering. You're even keeled. It's smooth sailing. It's negative. It's going to be a steady pace for me. You're provoked to anger. Hey, I'm cool. You, you have a long suffering. Is there a cause for resentment? Sure. But you're going to stay steady. You're going to just stay steady. You're going to have long suffering. In other words, your circumstances don't control you. The fruit of the spirit controls you so that you can control your circumstances. Through the fruit of the spirit. You don't need everything to be positive. Because everything isn't positive, And because Christ didn't have everything positive happen to him. But I don't know. Look at your hands. Do you have any nail prints still? Look at your feet. People got to take a work off. A week off from work if something falls on their foot. Their big toe hurts. Well who cares? Wrap it up and go to work. All Christ went through, and we find these little painful sufferings in our lives to give us an excuse to back out. We shouldn't do it. All right, let's go over to the book of Psalms. 
Let's get to Psalm chapter 18. Psalm chapter 18. We went through love, went through joy, went through peace, went through long suffering. We're going to go through gentleness. I thought this was pretty good in Psalm 18, verse 29. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. I'd like to leap over a wall. Those days are about over. The young fellows and the young kids, isn't it neat to see them run and jump over all this kind of stuff? As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. He's a, he's a shield. He's a protector. Uh, verse 31, for who is God save the Lord, or who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holding me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Are you an intellectual giant? You need to be careful. God gave you that. Do you have the ability to leap over a wall, slam a basketball? You better be careful. God gave you the ability to be able to do that. Do you have special talents? It wasn't by your hands. God created you and allows you to be able to do that. Six foot four and you can look down on somebody else because you're six inches taller. God provided your increase, not you. We all better be careful. You have a successful career. You got money in the bank. Have you amassed a small fortune? You better praise God that he gave you the health to do it, the mind to do it. The actual ability to get up with a breath of life and say, God, I get, to, I get to go out and do something. We want to give ourselves all the credit because we're taller than somebody else, either intellectually, physically, monetarily, socially. And we give ourselves the credit. And God says, you better be careful who you start praising because you can leap over the wall. I can bend steel. Not without God, you can't. Not without God. All the heroes of the faith had great failures in life. And if you want to take a look at my life, you could go back five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. And I was a failure. And I can tell you things that I did were that were absolute failures. Morally, in business, in family, it just every category, you just make the columns. And you can go back and look at my, uh, my history, just like you can go back and look at your history. And if we were to display it out here, when we all go back and look at our history, I'm telling you what you are. You're the same thing that I am. An utter failure. An utter failure. But God. The next fruit of the spirit is gentleness. We're on, it's what we're on. I would be careful, as I would urge you to be careful, to have a gentle spirit. 
what God brought you out of. Just praise his name. And tell somebody else about him. And don't get judgmental because they they did something that you would never do. Right. Don't get judgmental when somebody comes in here and they're not living the way that you live. They're here. Don't get judgmental when the kids aren't doing everything super spiritual like you think they should. They're here. They're here. I praise God when somebody, college students come or young people come or teenagers come. They're here. <laughs> they could be somewhere else. They're here. Let's be gentle with them. Let's give them a, a fist bump, a high five. Let's let's take them out to lunch. Let's let's love on them. Let's be gentle with them. Let's put some time into them. That's what Jesus did. That doesn't mean we embrace sin. We're not going down that road. We're talking about living through the fruit of the Spirit. If we're not careful, we become self-righteous. And our life just becomes one big self-centered. Here we are, a vain show. A vain show. I don't want to be that. I don't want this church to be that. We are a team. And our team will be held together by the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, long-suffering, gentleness. You know what gentleness is? It's the warrior soldier that just leans down and he's going to speak to that little boy. That's gentleness. You know what gentleness this is? It's the, it's the Christian mama and the look in her eye when she just embraces her little one and, and holds him or her. And, and, and it's that look on her face that says, gentleness. I'm strong, but I care. It's the picture of Christ. That's what it is. It's gentleness. It's the high and the mighty reaching down. James 2.24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Are you a servant of the Lord? God commands you to be gentle. James 3.17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle. A gentle person has wisdom. That's from above. And then we have goodness. Let's get Romans chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter number 5. Romans chapter 2. Oh, this is a good verse. Romans chapter 2. Is everybody there at verse number four? If you're at verse four, say amen. amen. All right, let's read that together as a, as a church family. Romans chapter two, verse four. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? We serve a good God. He's so rich in goodness. We really do. He's good to save. He was so good that he'd come down here and take on human form and suffer and die on the cross for us. He gives us sunshine. He gives us rain. He gives us the breath of life. I'm telling you, we serve a good God. Your parents can't give you the breath of life, but God did. 
and he continues to. And you stray away from him. You say, God, I don't want to obey this. God, I don't like this. And God says, I'm going to give you life anyway. I'm going to give you some sunshine anyway. I'm going to give you some rain anyway. I'm going to give you some jobs so you can make some money and feed yourself. Man, we serve a good God. We should have some goodness pouring out of our heart. Because it's the fruit of the Spirit God gives us. God's good. God's good. Ephesians 5, if you're there. Ephesians 5. The Bible says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Simple question. Can you and I be good? God's good. Next one is faith. Get Romans chapter 5, if you would. Get your finger there. We're going to come back to that in a minute. The Old Testament says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God. If you have been saved and you have had the indwelt Holy Spirit, which if you are saved, you do have that. God has given you the spirit of faith. And you should be producing a life of faithfulness. What is a faithful person? They have stability in their life. You shouldn't be an unstable in all your ways. You've been saved. You have that fruit of faith. It should produce faithfulness. You are a dependable Christian. If the boss says be here at 730, you're there at 725. Five minutes early. So that you wouldn't even bring reproach on the name of Christ and even be late a minute. I know things happen. They've happened to me. But you should be faithful in all that you do. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Because if you say you're going to do something, you don't do it. What do people end up eventually saying? Well, we can't trust that person. Do things happen? We're not talking about those things. We were trying to get home from church. We were trying to get home for church, Josiah and I. We had a tournament that we wanted to kick off in Ohio that we ended up having to move it over the border in PA because of these COVID restrictions. So we ran it six minutes. We crossed the border and Josiah counted the timer on how long it would take us to get to the venue. Six minutes. And then all of a sudden you can't catch the virus. <laughs> but anyway, we, we, we moved it over the border. We drove through Kentucky, through Ohio, and cross the border into PA. But on the way back, now we're going to make it. We'll be home at 1 a.m., and it'll be no problem. We'll sleep a few hours, get up, be at church. Except snow started coming down very, very rapidly. And it didn't take us about 30 minutes to realize we better get off the road. Now, I could have risked my life and got here and my child's life, but I decided... It'd probably be a, I'd probably offer more stability for my son and for everybody involved to just do something that's dependable, which is pull over. Now, did I want to be at church? Yeah. Was I late? Yeah, I was two days late. I was, well, I got back for the afternoon service. But those things happen. So we need to be careful. If someone says they're going to do something and they don't do it, is this a one-off or is this just an habitual thing? God wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be faithful. 
if somebody's late for church, but you rip into them and then you find out where, well, there was an ox in a ditch. And the guy's trying to help the ox out. You see, that's a person that is still dependable and stable and faithful. So we just need to be careful of our motives of judgment. But if you're faithful, you don't waver. You're not double-minded. You're not unstable. Proverbs 20, verse 6, the Bible says, Most men will proclaim every one of his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. It's one of the most important fruits of the Spirit. Now, Romans 5, what does it say? Verse number one, therefore being justified by faith. There it is. We have peace with God. There's another fruit of the Spirit. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where does faith come from? God. Where does peace come from? God. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Then the next one we have is meekness. Let's get Ephesians chapter number four. We'll read that. Ephesians chapter number four, the Bible says in verse number one, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called with all lowliness and meekness, <laughs> with long suffering. There, that one is again for bearing one another in love. There's another one again. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Well, we got a whole lot of them right there in Ephesians, don't we? This is what produces or is harvested out of the Christian life. All of these things. Meekness is a, is a form of, of mental toughness. It's a form of mental strength or strength that is brought under control. That's a meek person. A meek person can deal with somebody that's real loud and aggressive and rude. And a meek person can deal with that person quietly. And that quietness brings about it some strength. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness. A meek person, they don't have to resort to opinionated, aggressive name calling. They don't do that. They have strength under control bible has a lot to say about it colossians 3 says put on meekness first corinthians 4 it says have the spirit of meekness first peter 3 the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit is of great price in the sight of god <coughs> people think that's a form of weakness having a quiet spirit Meek and quiet spirit, in God's eyes, that's of great value. That's mama looking at, at son or daughter and not saying nothing. And son or daughter getting in line. <laughs> that's a meek and quiet spirit. That's a big blowout at work. And a Christian man handling that situation with brevity and quietness and bringing that storm under control. There's a time to be bold, sure. There's a time to speak up, sure. But meekness is strength that is in control when others are not. 
The Bible says, show meekness unto all men. First Timothy 6 says, to be a man of God, you must follow after meekness. It also says in 2 Timothy, to instruct those that oppose themselves in meekness. James 1 says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. First Peter 3 says, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You're going to give somebody the gospel. Do it with a meek and quiet spirit. You know, you see some people witness and you some see some people go out and do something for God. And it almost seems like they just don't like people. I thought we're supposed to love and have some joy and have some long suffering and have some gentleness and, and have some meekness. You know, people can use the right verses. Romans 3, 10 and Romans 3, 23 and Romans 6, 23 and Romans 5, 8. We're going to go to Romans 4. And we're gonna... Okay, great. You know how to go through the Bible. Quit acting like a jerk then because that's in the Bible too, by the way. Right. Right? I mean, you can say amen. It's all right. I mean, unless you've been just being a jerk all week. It's a, you can say amen. Look, you have the spirit of meekness. Use it. We should have a tear in our eye. We should have a gentle way of dealing with somebody, especially sinners and lost people, because we have the fruit of the spirit. If they just see the works of the flesh come out from you when you're trying to give them Bible verses, do you really think that's going to convince them that you got anything that they want? I hate to break the news to you, but the world's having fun. <laughs> I used to be in the world. So did you. I don't know. Did you enjoy sin for a season? I did. Now, it was wrong. I don't recommend any of the young people doing it. I'll preach against it. You'll help rally around me to preach against it for our young people. And ourselves, we don't want anything to do with it, but we were there. We were there. We need to have meekness in our presentation. Oh, we've got one more. <clears throat> Temperance. You're able to control your appetite. <coughs> Temperance. Now, we had this one boy, Dave. I remember Dave. I don't know if you remember Dave, but Dave came to train with me. He was a real strong, good old boy. Built real good. And uh, he came to train with us. But Dave loved Taco Bell. He really did. He'd go to Taco Bell. Um, and I know this because he'd bring the Taco Bell uh, cup into the gym and then he you know everybody could be getting ready for class and he he'd throw the taco bell cup away well you know you're getting ready you're getting these guys ready to fight and get these guys ready to compete so as an instructor you're just like you want to give them every edge you can give them and you know a guy that's got to die at a taco bell just you want to go and you want the team to win so i figured this out i know a way i can get dave to not eat taco bell after class Dave, you roll with me. I just worked into Dave. I didn't let him quit. I worked that boy so hard. 
he said, are you upset at me? I said, no. I said, I'm just trying to get you in shape. I'm trying to get you off that Taco Bell that you keep bringing. In. How are you going to do that? I said, don't worry. We'll do it. Because in about 10 minutes, you're going to be out back puking. And he did. So we got him to the point of exhaustion where he had all that food come out. He went out back. He puked all over. And I said, you got to fill some buckets up to clean that up. But he couldn't control his appetite. Dave couldn't control his appetite. Now, physically, if you're going to go into battle, you've got to have the right instructor, the right training partners, the right diet, and you've got to have some temperance in your appetite. You can't have these fighters run around town all weekend doing all this stuff. You've got to get them in something constructive, and you've got to be able to help them have some temperance so they can control their appetite. A glutton has no temperance. <clears throat> a lazy person has no temperance. They have no self-mastery. They have no self-discipline. They're constantly controlled by their fleshly lusts and their fleshly passions. Their sin nature. One of the ladies can't cook. Another lady can cook. We need help with this. One lady can't do it. We have somebody else do it. We need help with the kids. Well, one mom can do it this week. Another mom can do it that week. That's called a team. And that's the fruit of the spirit. That's not pour somebody into an arm bar and make them submit. That's it'll just produce itself from inward and the fruit will come up. God will harvest the fruit. Gentleness, serve the Lord must not strive. Be gentle unto all men. The gentleness of Christ is how we beseech someone. Goodness, we talked about that. Where does that come from? Well, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Faith, we talked about that. We are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Meekness, we receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Meekness doesn't resort to aggression, opinionated, uh, just self-centered rudeness. And then temperance, we talked about that. We need to be, be able to control our appetite. And when I say appetite, I don't mean food, just food. Our appetites of our worldly, fleshly lust and passions. That's called our appetite. We can accomplish this. Because it's not like I'm trying to give. If you're saved, it's not like I'm trying to give you these. Here they are. They're up for grabs. You got them. They're inside of you. You just got to have your mind influence to tap into them and make decisions based on these fruits of the spirits that as a believer, you have access to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.